your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 589 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today we're going to be looking ahead to game two, but... Very quickly here at the top of the show, I feel like a little bit of recapping is in order because I did an episode yesterday. I was fully aware it was going to ruffle some feathers, push some buttons, get, you know, heated hot takes from uh, both Ranger fans as well as Penguin fans and maybe even just some general hockey fans as well. Obviously, I talked for quite a while about what was a monumental play in the game. That, of course, being uh, Capo Caco being called for goalie interference after a review and Philip Heedle's goal being disallowed. I stand by every single thing that I said in yesterday's episode. But I think it's also time for us to kind of turn the page and move on here. The only thing that I'll say is I'll just very quickly repeat my case yesterday for why I think that goal should have stood. And if you want further detail on it, you can definitely check out yesterday's episode. My very simple explanation here was that I don't think goalie interference should have been called. First of all, it was ruled a goal on the ice. And secondly, Brian Dumoulin very clearly made contact with Capo Caco. And I don't think you can look at that play and you know, know for sure, 100% certainty that Kako would have made contact with Casey DeSmith had it not been for the contact of uh, Brian Dumoulin. So that's pretty much it. Case closed. That game is over and done with. Rangers are down one to nothing to the Penguins in this series after uh, what can only be described as a triple overtime heartbreaker, but certainly all is not lost. I also laid out in yesterday's episode some of the reasons why I think the Rangers are still in this series. So again, definitely check out that episode if you missed it. Uh, as for today, again, you know, I put out the episode. I heard it from uh, some Penguin fans for sure. I was fully expecting that and I got everything that I kind of knew was uh, heading my way and that's all good. You know, as long as you keep the gloves up, you keep the punches above the belt, you can tell me I'm completely wrong about something. I'm completely cool with that. Love debating hockey with Ranger fans, Penguin fans, uh, fans of any team in hockey or just general hockey fans. And one of the things that I think, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that these were mostly Penguin fans, but a lot of Penguin fans said like, well, you know, you're going to complain about this call. The Rangers had every opportunity to win this game. It was in triple overtime. You were up against a third string goalie. None of that is wrong. I mean, the Rangers definitely could have played better. They did not quite have their A game. I thought it was certainly a spirited effort, but there were a couple of instances where they were sloppy. I mean, for starters, uh, I think you've got to look at as far as, you know, areas where the Rangers can improve here. They could have scored more goals. I mean, Casey DeSmith is a solid goalie, and I think one of the better backups in the league. He played the vast majority of that game. They only got him for three goals. Uh, And then Louis Domingue comes into the game. He's barely played hockey at all, or at least NHL hockey, over the past couple of seasons. Rangers can get the puck by him either. We're going to talk more about Domingue because he's actually going to be starting uh, in Game 2 tonight uh, with uh, DeSmith and Jerry both being ruled out by the Penguins. But yeah, I mean, the Rangers, they could have done a better job defending in the second period. They allowed 25 shots on net. That just absolutely can't happen. Uh, I'm no mathologist, but uh, that's more than a goal, a shot on goal per minute. So that isn't something that can happen, and uh, obviously the Rangers are going to have to tighten up defensively, and I think they will because they've been a very strong defensive team uh, through most of the second half of the season. Most of the 
entire regular season, I would say, but certainly uh, the second half of the season and especially post-trade deadline. Now, they've really clamped down and have kind of uh, cut back on their over-reliance of Igor Shesterkin. Igor's still Igor, and he's had some unbelievable uh, games for the Rangers and some unbelievable saves for the Rangers down the stretch here, but the Rangers collectively as a team are pulling their weight in the defensive uh, aspects of the game for sure. And something else the Rangers could have done is not turn the puck over 75 times. Now, you know, giveaways, takeaways, it's, it's always a little bit subjective, and obviously some giveaways aren't as bad as others. I mean, if you're trying to make a pass in deep and you've got somebody there on the doorstep and he's, uh, you know, got an opportunity for a tip-in goal and the pass gets intercepted, I mean, so be it. You know, it happens. It, it's a hockey game. You're not going to avoid giveaways. Um, but 75, yeah, even with the triple overtime, that's too many. Rangers have to do a better job taking care of the puck in this upcoming game for sure. And, you know, I mentioned this briefly just a second ago, but to me, this is probably the biggest storyline uh, heading into game two here from either side. And that is, once again, the fact that Casey DeSmith is injured and will not dress tonight. Uh, he's out with a lower body injury, as is Tristan Jerry, the lower body injury, one of only two injuries that exist in hockey. It's lower body injury or upper injury upper body injury, excuse me, and both of the Penguins' top two goalies will be out with that. Now you got Louis Domingue, who came in to Game 1 in relief in the double overtime period and stopped all 17 shots that he faced. He will start in net for the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight, and he will, of course, be opposed by Igor Shesterkin. And as for Jerry, I'm pretty sure that the Penguins uh, ruled him out even before the series began. They announced that he was going to be out for at least Games 1 and 2, and that was uh, their you know, statement that they made before the series began. And of course, now he is indeed not going to be playing in either one of these games. It sounds like the Penguins are just going to be taking it day to day as far as Jerry potentially returning to this series at some point. But it sounds like all along, uh, the Penguins were fully intending to be without him uh, for the first two games. And uh, he'd be out there if he was available because he had a heck of a season for himself after a rough playoff showing last year. The Penguins stood by him. They they stuck with him, and you got to believe he'd be in there against Igor Shesterkin if he could be. Uh, but turning our attention back to Louis Domingue here, you know, I think most hockey fans, whether you're a Ranger fan or whoever it might be, uh, I think you've at least heard of Louis Domingue by now. He's been in the league for quite some time. He's 30 years old. He's bounced around quite a bit. I've always associated him most commonly with the Arizona Coyotes, but man, has this guy bounced around the league. He went from the Coyotes to the Lightning, to the Devils, to the Canucks, to the Flames, and now this season with the Penguins. And in fact, he has played for five different teams in the past four seasons. So uh, the very definition of a journeyman goalie. And in fact, he's never made more than 36 starts in a single season. Uh, he did that back in 2015-2016 with the Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, on top of all that, we mentioned that, you know, obviously he's a journeyman. He's never really been, uh, you know, a, a true franchise goalie at any point in his career. But in the past two seasons combined, last season and this season, Domingue has made a grand total of just three starts in net. Two with the Penguins this season, one with the Calgary Flames last season. For his career, 142 games, 126 starts, a record of 59, 60, and 10. Goals against average of 304, a save percentage of 905, and two shutouts. And... Basically, everything I'm saying right now just translates to the fact that the Rangers really need to take advantage of a pretty fortuitous hand that they've been dealt here and defeat a guy who on the Penguins right now is a third string goalie and a guy who at best is a career journeyman. You know, the Rangers, we've got the likely Vesna winner in Igor Shesterkin. He's going up against a third string goalie. And once again, a third string goalie 
that has started just three NHL games over the past two seasons. And let me also make something else clear here. I would never wish injury on anyone. Never would I want somebody in any pro sport, any college sport, or anything else to get hurt doing what they do. It's obviously, a, you know, a bad situation. And, you know, I, I think Ranger fans and Penguin fans, we may not agree on a lot, but one thing that I think that all hockey fans can agree on, and even Ranger fans and Penguin fans, is that it'd be best to see both these teams at full strength for the entirety of this series. And that way, all the best players are out there. There's no shortage of star power on either side. And you can basically just let these teams settle it. And it doesn't come down to, well, this guy was injured or that guy was injured or that guy was out of the lineup for a couple of games or this happened or that happened. Uh, there's no excuses. Everybody just is out there and may the best team win. Um, but again, you know, facts are facts here. You know, the Rangers do catch a bit of a break going up against a third string goalie due to the fact that the Penguins' top two goalies are both injured and unavailable for this game. And look, that's also not to say that Domingue is completely incapable of giving the Penguins a good start. For starters, he's a goal in the NHL. He's got to be doing something right. You make it to the NHL, you are a big-time hockey player. No two ways about it. And we got to acknowledge the fact that Domingue looked really sharp in game one. Again, he came into that game ice cold in the second overtime period, uh, had a couple of seconds to stretch in the crease, and then it was off to the races. You know, he's in a double overtime game against a rival, and has to prevent the puck from going in or else his team loses. And that's exactly what he did. Stopped all 17 shots that he faced. And for anyone who might be wondering about this, that was only the second career playoff game of Doming's career. But again, when you look at his track record, very mediocre numbers for his career. That's probably putting it uh, kindly. You know, again, the save percentage is barely above 900. The goals against average is above three. And so, you know, again, he is what he is. He's he's somebody that provides you some organizational depth and at best is going to be the number two goalie or number three goalie in on any particular franchise. Uh, but when you look at Louis Domingue and you compare him to Igor Shesterkin, this should be a massive advantage for the New York Rangers in game two. And obviously, you hope that the Rangers can just come out flying just like they did in game one and hopefully overwhelm Domingue in the early goings, put up a couple early goals and just never look back. Because again, Domingue, credit, for what he did in game one, but this is somebody who once again has barely played NHL hockey of any kind, much less any Stanley Cup playoff, you know, NHL hockey over the past two seasons. Again, just the three starts in the last two seasons combined. And then, of course, the relief appearance in game one. Uh, but we're just scratching the surface here. Want to talk about potential lineup changes for the Rangers as far as guys uh, maybe coming into the lineup, maybe going out of the lineup, as well as you know, the idea of maybe juggling the lines a little bit. There was an idea on social media that was floated out there that I'm going to talk about in just a second and kind of just weigh in on it, decide if I agree with it or disagree with it. And uh, we will get to all that in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted more energy and I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. Now I've been on it for about four months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It is lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 
five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, potential lineup changes for the New York Rangers for Game 2 against the Pittsburgh Penguins here tonight. There was actually an article that dropped just a short time ago here as of this recording uh, from friend of the show, Vince Mercogliano. He does a fantastic job covering the New York Rangers. I know a lot of you uh, read his stuff and follow him on Twitter. But according to his article, it looks like the Rangers' projected lineup for Game 2 includes just one change, and that would be Justin Braun subbing in for Patrick Nemeth. Nemeth will uh, head to the press box as a healthy scratch. And this is actually something that I talked about in our most recent episode as well. You know, I briefly kind of projected the Game 2 lineup and you know, would there be any changes, any anybody coming in and out of the lineup, guys moving up and down the lineup, whatever it might be. But I came to the conclusion that you know, after a triple overtime game, it might not be the worst idea just to have somebody out there who's fresh, you know, at least one guy who didn't play in the most recent game. And of course, you know, the Ranger defensemen, I mean, they're playing uh, just a crazy amount of minutes in that game. They were without Ryan Lindgren for pretty big chunks of the game as well. And so as a result of this, every single New York Ranger defenseman, uh, not named Braden Schneider, who was out there for 22 minutes and 19 seconds, all the other five Ranger defensemen had at least 28 minutes and 44 seconds of time on the ice. And that includes Patrick Nemeth, who was out there for 29 minutes and 52 seconds. And Nemeth and Braun, it's been kind of a toss-up between the two of them down the stretch this season. I think they've both played fairly well. I think certainly you could do worse for your number six defenseman, no matter what team you are or what situation you're in. But you know, one thing that's definitely working against Patrick Nemeth, I think, is the fact that he took two penalties in game one. And so, you know, you don't want to get keep giving the Penguins power play opportunities. We know that they've got a lot of star players over there, guys that are more than capable of putting the puck in the net. And of course, they ended up scoring on one of their power play chances. That was a five on three. Uh, but, you know, Again, I think it's only fair to give uh, Justin Braun a chance. Like I said, there was little to no separation between the two of them as far as how they were playing down the stretch here. The Rangers lost game one. Nemeth took two penalties. I think it's okay for Justin Braun to get a chance. I will say this about Nemeth, though. Uh, he made a play in the first overtime period uh, that was outstanding, and it prevented a potential grade-A golden scoring opportunity for the Penguins. He had Crosby in the corner in the Rangers zone, and he made a pass, you know, kind of diagonal back in the direction of the blue line, and I think it was Rust. Rust had just come onto the um, onto the ice, you know, during a line change there. There wasn't a Ranger anywhere near him, and if this pass connects, uh, Rust would have had basically a red carpet right to the net. And who knows, maybe Igor Shesterkin makes a phenomenal save. He's certainly capable of doing so, uh, but again, that would have been a brilliant scoring opportunity for the Penguins, but instead, Patrick Nemeth, uh, Last second reaction, reaches out his stick, pokes the puck away, uh, prevents the pass from being completed. And if Nemeth doesn't make that play, it's possible. You know, no guarantees because, again, we got Igor Shesterkin in there. We've seen him uh, do the impossible this season. But uh, very possible that the Penguins at least, you know, had a chance to end the game right then and there. So that was a really nice play by Nemeth. But like I said, it's all good with Justin Braun going to the lineup as far as I'm concerned. I know that, you know, after the Rangers traded for him, 
there was, you know, at least a little bit of, oh man, you know, this guy only plays the right side. Can he handle the left side? But we saw Braun, I mean, the way it shook out down the stretch this season, Braden Schneider was in the lineup pretty much every single game. And so anytime Justin Braun played, he had to play the left side. He played the left side more often than he played the right side for the Rangers. And he did great there. I mean, I don't think there was any drop off in his game. He didn't look uncomfortable or anything like that. There were no red flags. So I don't think it's too much of a concern. I mean, he's a veteran 35-year-old defenseman. He's played right defense for basically his whole career. But uh, the way we saw him handle the switch pretty seamlessly, I, I don't think there should really be any concerns there. I think Braun will do a solid job for the New York Rangers in this game. And that's going to be a position battle to keep track of going forward as this series progresses here. You know, will they go with Braun if they win tonight and just kind of ride with him? Or does Nemeth get back into the lineup? Very, very interesting to see. And of course, uh, the way that everybody plays tonight also has a uh, big hand in that as well. If Braun comes out, has a strong game, he could stick in the lineup. If he struggles, maybe you go back to Nemeth in the next game. Uh, the other sort of non-move here by the Rangers is that uh, Dryden Hunt will remain a healthy scratch. It looks like, again, just according to this article and the projections that uh, Vince Mercagliano laid out there for us, but it looks like Ryan Reeves will continue to play on the fourth line instead of Dryden Hunt. And I mean, really, when you look at the Ranger forward situation, I don't think there's anybody else that would even be considered to come out of the lineup. I mean, even when you look at the fourth line, Barkley Goodrow is not going to come out of this lineup, nor should he. Uh, Kevin Rooney, I would say the same thing. You know, Rooney's been a solid player for the Rangers, uh, does a great job on the penalty kill, and I think uh, overall that fourth line looked pretty solid. I don't think they would take him out of the lineup either, at least not uh, with the guys that are currently healthy. I know Blay and Mott are currently unavailable due to injury, uh, but with all that said, I think, you know, Rooney and, and Goodrow and even somebody like Philip Hedl, all those guys, you know, their spots in the lineup are fairly secure. Goodrow for sure, and, and probably the other two as well. Um, but then you look at this, and it basically comes down, like I said, to Reeves or Hunt. Uh, Reeves was a wrecking ball in game one. I mean, he was out there not just hitting people, but delivering uh, some pretty punishing hits and some clean hits as well. Uh, just a complete uh, beast, you know, <laughs> eight hits on the game. Uh, and again, like I already mentioned, the fourth line looked really good. I thought, you know, there were times where they even spent a good amount of time in the offensive zone and, you know, kind of kept the puck down there for at least uh, a little bit and made the Penguins work hard to just clear the zone. And, you know, as those overtimes continue to progress, you're watching this game and the game's in overtime, then it's in double overtime, then it's in triple overtime. And it's like, man, who's going to be the hero here for the Rangers? How cool would it have been to see like Ryan Reeves score in double overtime or triple overtime? And, you know, something like that isn't as unlikely as it might seem because by the time you start getting into second overtime, third overtime, uh, fourth overtime, if there's a game that gets there, a lot of times, you know, those bottom six forwards and particularly the fourth line, those are the guys that are fresh. They've spent the fewest amount of time on the ice and that obviously works to their advantage. And it's not uncommon to see uh, somebody who's not a star player uh, get the game winner, you know, deep into an overtime period. Obviously that didn't happen, but it was fun to think about as that game was progressing there. Dryden Hunt, you know, I feel for him. I, I think he's had a solid season for the Rangers, carved out a much bigger role for himself than any of us ever could have imagined, was even in the top six for a while. It's unfortunate that he doesn't get to play in this playoff series, or at least not yet, even after scoring uh, the game-winning goal in the regular season finale on a really nice play there uh, against the Washington Capitals. But it is what it is. You know, there's 12 spots that are spoken for, and unfortunately for Dryan Hunt, he's just the odd man out right now. But uh, we'll keep an eye on that going forward as well. And there's one other uh, thing that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. It's an idea that was floating around on social media as far as another lineup change that the Rangers could potentially make, and we're going to get to that, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second, kind of break it down, decide whether I agree or disagree, as I mentioned before. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. 
Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's run to the roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank you guys once again for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about this proposed line change that has been kind of circulating on social media. I don't know exactly where it started, and it's entirely possible that more than one person had this idea as far as how the Rangers could look to line up in game two against the Penguins. But I did see a couple of people throwing out the idea of maybe flip-flopping Frank Vitrano and Capo Caco. Obviously, they both play right wing, so that would be a pretty easy thing to do. Nobody would end up playing out of position. I wouldn't do this quite yet. I get where the idea comes from. Uh, Kako, you know, had a pretty strong game in Game 3. You play him up there uh, with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle a little bit. I think, you know, Vitrano obviously has done a fantastic job for the Rangers since coming over, but Capo Kako's ceiling is higher. I mean, this guy was the number two overall pick. He's just in his second year in the league. I believe he's 21 years old. So, you know, if one of them was to really just explode and just completely go off in the playoffs and just take his game to a level that we've never seen before, it's probably 21-year-old Capo Caco as opposed to 28-year-old Frank Vetrano. So I get where the idea comes from, but I would not do this just yet. If I'm Gerard Gallant and the coaching staff, I would kind of keep this move in my back pocket. It's something that I could look to go to in-game if there's a situation where, you know, say this game gets underway tonight, we get into the first period and maybe it's scoreless after one we get into the second period maybe the Rangers have like one goal but they're not really doing a whole lot offensively and you're looking for a little bit of a jump start something to kind of get the team going a little bit kind of shuffle the deck uh that's a move that you could potentially make you could move Capo Caco up to the first line make sure he's getting first line minutes and make sure he's playing with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider uh but the one reason why I would not do that just yet is I feel like I mean first of all Kreider and Mika and Vetrano have been great together down the stretch. Ever since they put that line together, those three have really clicked. I mean, Mika and Kreider, I I feel like you could put just about anybody on the right wing, and they're still going to find a way to make some magic. Uh, But something I talked about right before I went on uh, paternity leave, or whatever you want to call it. Obviously, I missed a couple of days there. But, you know, with Kreider, obviously we think of him as kind of a sniper and a shoot-first kind of guy. I mean, he's got a lethal shot, which is actually also somewhat easy to forget because so many of his goals were the result of uh, deflections and or stuffing opportunities from the doorstep. But he's got a heck of a shot. But uh, even though you think of him as, you know, a shoot-first type of player, he is plenty capable of making some good passes. And right before I went on leave, I remember talking about how close Kreider was to setting up Vetrano for a goal on a number of occasions, you know, down the stretch in that season. They, they were very close. Uh, sometimes, you know, maybe the shot was just off or the pass was just off or maybe the goalie made a really nice save. Uh, but they've been really, really close. And I would like to see Vitrano continue to just be able to shoot the puck on that top line and benefit from the fact that he's got Kreider passing to him and especially benefit from the pack, the fact, excuse me, that he's got Mika Zibanejad passing to him. I mean, this kid has an absolutely lethal shot. He put six shots on goal in the uh, game one loss to the Penguins. And I think that 
Uh, certainly, if he continues to get his opportunities to put the puck at the net sooner or later, he's going to get one. And uh, he'll get more opportunities playing with Zibanejad and with Kreider than he will on the third line. And then just a couple other uh, closing thoughts here before we call it a day. Uh, one positive takeaway that I had from this game against the Penguins, there were a lot of face-offs in this game, obviously. It went three overtimes. Uh, the Rangers had a 47% success rate in the circle, and that's not fantastic. Obviously, they lost the battle overall, but, you know, I always talk about how you know, face-offs, it's such an important stat, especially come playoff time. And when you look at the regular season numbers, Penguins were 11th in the league in the regular season, winning 51.1%. The Rangers were 24th in the league at 48.1%. So, you know, both teams are fairly close to 50. But again, I think this is a big stat. You know, the Penguins' game-winning goal was due at least in part to the fact that they won an offensive zone face-off. And the Rangers, you know, they had a couple of chances to maybe clear the puck. Uh, there was a battle for the puck. Behind the Ranger net, the Penguins won that, and the Rangers never got the puck back again. And, of course, uh, Marino shoots, Malkin deflection, and it goes in. But faceoffs are huge, and, you know, when you win a defensive zone faceoff, you'll never know how often it would have led to a goal had you lost that defensive zone faceoff. So they're tremendously important, and even in ways that can't necessarily be measured— uh, as far as individual statistics, Kevin Rooney had a nice night on the dot for himself, 156% of his faceoffs. That's an area where he's certainly improved. Uh, somebody else that stood out and not necessarily in the best way was Philip Heedle. He won just 10% of his faceoffs. So that's not good. And honestly, you know, looking at this game tonight, really the rest of the series and hopefully the rest of the playoffs, Philip Heedle can't take face-offs when the Rangers have a face-off in their own zone because you're basically just conceding possession of the puck. Now, he's going to do better than 10% going forward. How could he not? But as we all know, you know, winning face-offs has never really been a strong point of Filipino's game. The only problem, you know, is that there's not really another option. The only thing you could maybe do, you could put Barclay Goodrow onto the third line and then he takes face-offs, but then you'd have to drop either Kako or Lafreniere or somebody like that to the fourth line. I certainly don't think you want to do that. So the way things currently Stand, you're kind of stuck with Filipino taking faceoffs uh, on that third line. But like I said, I think uh, in a perfect world, maybe Heedle is only taking faceoffs that occur, you know, preferably in the neutral zone, but definitely not in the Rangers' own zone because you cannot just concede possession of the puck over and over and over to a team as good as the Penguins um, when it could potentially lead to a goal. So, yeah, something to keep an eye on going forward. But I thought the Rangers did a nice job, uh, you know, hanging in there in the faceoff circle against a team that is very strong on the dot. Something else that I think could happen tonight, you know, just kind of turning our attention to game two and making predictions here, this game could get ugly. I mean, it's it's well documented that these two teams do not like each other. We knew that long before this season, but even when you look at the regular season games here, I mean, it just felt like the animosity and the dislike just built and built and built with every single game that went by. We had, you know, in their fourth and final regular season matchup, the Rangers won that game three to nothing. There was, you know, a big fight at the end of the game. Uh, everybody basically involved, and then basically just a gigantic standoff at the red line, and that could have gotten completely out of hand. It was a powder keg re ready to go off, um, but cooler heads eventually prevailed. The Penguins finally left the ice. The Rangers celebrated their win, but I, I think this game has a potential to get nasty, and I, I think that's especially true when you consider the fact that when you look at an NHL Stanley Cup playoff series, Look, it's always physical. It can occasionally get very, very nasty, but I think games two and three tend to be the ones where the fireworks are at their highest because game one, there's always a little bit of a feeling out process and everybody kind of getting reacclimated to, to playoff hockey, especially in the first round, and just kind of getting a sense for how this series is going to go. 
by the time you get to game two, whoever lost game one is desperate. They, they need to get back into the series. The team that won game one is desperate to take a stranglehold on the series. And there's just a lot of fireworks. It just feels like that's how it usually is. Games two and three specifically, there's more fighting and more uh, physicality and more extracurriculars than in the rest of the series. Because by the time you get to like games six and seven, nobody's going to be looking to fight because you can't risk you know, taking an instigator penalty or something along those lines in a situation uh, where it's do or die time, you know, in a game six or a game seven. So, yeah, I'd look for uh, the temperature to really rise in this one. Could get really, really nasty. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing whatever happens there. I mean, I'm not advocating for senseless violence, but I get the feeling that uh, this one could definitely get ugly. Um, and something else that I noticed, and I was talking to actually both my parents about this. They're uh, big-time Ranger fans as well. Uh, there is a quickly budding rivalry between Ke'Andre Miller and Sidney Crosby. It feels like the two of them, when they're on the ice, they always seem to find each other. And whenever the whistle is blown in whatever zone or however the play uh, stopped, it seems like those two are always kind of barking back and forth at each other. So I've kind of just enjoyed that you know, kind of new rivalry that's developed over the past couple of years. Keandre Miller, you know, the Rangers were playing the Penguins uh, last season, which was obviously Miller's rookie season. And one of the early highlights of Miller's uh, rookie season, he was, uh, you know, behind the Ranger net and trying to, you know, defend against Sidney Crosby. And Crosby's kind of skating back and forth with the puck, trying to shield the puck, trying to shake this kid off of him. And he just couldn't do it. And then eventually, you know, Miller stayed with him all the way. He knocks Crosby off the puck picks up the puck himself, and just skates away with it. So right then and there, uh, you could tell why Andre Miller was a surprise uh, opening night roster member last season, and obviously he's stuck in the NHL and has just gotten better and better since then. But I, for one, am definitely enjoying uh, this rivalry that's going on between Miller and Crosby. Reminds me a little bit, actually, of Mark Stahl and Alex Ovechkin. The two of them you know, when the Rangers and, and Capitals would play each other, they would always find each other. They would always hit each other. Uh, I thought it was always clean by both of them. I don't think there were ever any dirty hits, but man, those two laid into each other every single chance that they got. And, you know, I haven't really watched any Capitals versus Red Wings games over the past couple seasons here. Maybe that rivalry is still going. I, I haven't I haven't seen those games, but uh, that was always fun, and this has been fun too, you know, Andre Miller versus Sidney Crosby. Uh, but that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, I just want to thank everybody so much for... Um, you know, everybody who reached out to me to, to wish me well and wish my family well uh, after the birth of our daughter. And uh, for also just being very patient, very understanding that obviously I was going to miss a couple episodes here and, uh, you know, not have five episodes, uh, certainly last week when our daughter was born. Uh, that really means the world to me. Thank you guys so much. And uh, let's go Rangers. We're going to be back to talk about whatever happens in game two in our next episode. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. From first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.